Oh, what's good, y'all? This is Teddy B. And this is Jerry Corley, a.k.a. The Joke Doctor. And, uh, yeah, I guess I should, yeah, I'm just Teddy B, because I'm Theodore Bess, a.k.a. Teddy B. Teddy B. And you're listening to Ebony and Ivory on ADHD. Yeah, all right, let's get to it. Let's get to it. All right, cool. Yeah, man, my freaking, uh, my comedy brain is alive, kicking, and the engines are, it's cooking with gas, it's, it's driving with gas. Like, I've been, um, uh, listening to this book, 101 Essays That Make You Think, and I came up with this joke that I'm all like, yeah, so I'm listening to this book, uh, 101 Essays That Make You Think, and no, this is not a book about the movie Stand and Deliver, because of the movie Stand and Deliver, it's about a bunch of essays. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's, uh, what is it about? Essay. What do you mean? So, so essay. You know, like how Mexicans, Hispanics, they essays. say essay. Yeah. So say, yeah. So essay. 101 essay. essays. And oh, I was stand, doing oh, stand essay. and deliver. Right. Stand, stand and deliver. Lou Diamond of, Phillips. And, Lou Diamond Phillips. Yeah. It's like because that was about a bunch of essays. A bunch of essays. Yeah. What took place in South Central, you know, that was about a bunch of essays. Bunch of essays. Yeah. I mean, kind of corny, but it's just the fact that my mind is picking up on those. Man, type of your, your mind's picking up on that stuff. So this gal, she did a uh, uh, did the the this lady, she did a set on uh, at this village community center, you know, Robert Mack. Comedian Robert Mack. Yeah. Well, he was the one hosting it, right? So he put it together. And, uh, but there's like on, so they had the, the stage was basically you had these six steps going up to this next area on the, where the community center is, but it was like mm-hmm. three steps. And then there was like a little bit of a platform and then there's three more steps. And so, uh, they were on that little platform in between the steps. And it's like, uh, so I was like, so it's like, I'm surprised you didn't do a 12 step joke right there, you know? And it's like, yeah. cause you have steps there. It's the first time I've done comedy on this part of my com- comedy 12 step program, but I'm only in the first half. We got six steps. I'm only in the first half. That could be a quick joke. Yeah. And then that gets the audience to, to laugh at the coincidence, that kind of thing right there, that kind of older audience, you got to hit them with those type of oh, uh, simple jokes, quick one yeah. twos. So Anyway, yeah, let's get into it. So what are we opening with? What are we starting with? Well, I guess I'll start with the uh, um, topical. So like I've been doing so uh, last week where I was talking about, I was like, man, I had such horrible sets. It was such a bad set. I sucked. They, I bombed and all that shit. And it's like this week I had, I had two good sets, like really good sets. Uh, did what you were saying. Uh, uh, name Gave the audience the name of the game. Hey, y'all, what's up? I got these new, I've been working on these new topical jokes. So I'm going to do some topical jokes. So I kind of like set the stage. And then I went into it with like my Lizzo joke where I was like, you know, like everyone's talking about how Lizzo, like this whole thing about Lizzo making the, the dancers eat the bananas out of the, at the, at the, at the show. But really what we need to be talking about is how Lizzo is fat shaming her fat dancers like I told my kids, this is the prime example of the pot calling the kettle fat, and it's yeah, just a good, simple good. joke, you know. And he's used nice cli- use the cliche reformation. That's a perfect yes. example of dropping in a cliche reformation for a quick laugh on that one. And it's a one good way to get a you know how to take that 
how to take a topical piece of humor and use you almost you pivoted to make the joke about mm -hmm. the cliche reformation, but it fits so perfectly in into the, the uh, in the, the into the context of that joke. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And then like the next joke I had was uh, was Shakira, because uh, she just got she got another accusation of tax evasion out in Spain. And uh, the first time I did the joke on Monday, I just I just did it. And I was uh, I said all that and everyone's like, whoa, they didn't know that. And I was uh, then I said, well, considering the fact that her hips don't lie, that she got the recognition and they're like, oh, yeah, ha, ha, yeah, ha. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, maybe they should have her. Maybe she should have her hips start filing her taxes. And then everybody starts laughing at that. I was like, oh, that's a dumb joke. They're like, no, no, no. Funny. And then uh, last night when I was at the mic drop, I was doing it. I said, uh, yeah, because no one again, no one here heard about this. And I was like, yeah, you know, two two counts of tax evasion. Like Wesley Snipes only did one and they threw that nigga in jail. And so that kind of got a quick laugh. And then I did the whole hips don't For lie. How many years? For how many I years? I forgot. I forgot how many years he was put in jail. I just know that they put his ass in jail. <laughs> but it should be more specific with that. Yeah. Because he still hasn't even been put in jail yet. Let's put that down because I think that would add that credibility to that bit. Like, uh, yeah. uh, you know, he served 28 months in, in, in jail. They put that. Mm -hmm. They put that ninja in, in, in jail for, for over two years. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like Trump's done 10 times the, the tax evasion. Dude, that, that fool Snipes has 78 has counts, man. Yeah. <laughs> if that was any other person, if that was a normal person, he would that person would not get hired for anything. Like you he would not just be able make to get it Three years, you go like, yeah, Wesley Snipes, man. And Wesley Snipes did that. And he went up and he had one count. He wound up doing uh, three years. He, You know, they put that ninja in jail for three years. Three years. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you know, it's like uh, her hips don't lie. It's like, uh, but her tax statements do. <laughs> that's right? a good and one, like, too. It's yeah. like, uh, you, know, you know that song that goes, Shakira, Shakira? It's like, that's just the Treasury Department going, Shakira, Shakira. <laughs> that's it. And that's the like voice that of the treasurer for Shakira, Shakira, Shakira. <laughs> that's good. I like that. I'm going to throw that one in there, too. And then, like, I uh, I did the just doing the whole riverboat, the the Alabama riverboat beatdown, which was like that was like the coolest thing to ever happen. Like I woke up the last Saturday morning on my Twitter. My Twitter was going off. Black Twitter was lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> and it was so cool, man. That's like, funny, man. So Black cool. Twitter was lit up like a Christmas tree. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's cool. And the thing about it, which was so, and the, it's like this universal thing for like black people because of the fact, like, because that kid, sixteen years old, jumped from the boat and swam to the dock. To kick some butt, like Doc, yeah. like black people don't swim. So the fact that he did that, I'm like, I'm gotta, I'm now taking swim lessons. I'm gonna take some swim lessons and learn how to swim. <laughs> and then I even came up with the, uh, I got a uh, the Wakanda, the Wakanda Alabama chapter. Cause I, cause now Wakanda is out in Alabama too. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I like that Wakanda Alabama ch a chapter. And then I did a um I I did a I called it because I was like when I was I'm not I was like hey I'm not sure if you guys saw the video but when I first started watching the video it reminded it it almost reminded me of a 
a low budget reboot of the Rodney King beatdown. And that kind of <laughs> that kind of chuckle. <laughs> and then I'm like, and then all of a sudden it became an episode of Game of Thrones, the Battle of the Bastards. Motherfucker throws his hat in the air and everybody comes out. <laughs> That was wild, man. And you know what? For the point of view of uh, of those rednecks, mm-hmm. that must have been uh, in Alabama. That was that must have been the surprise of the century. Like, wait a second, you're supposed to be on our side, <laughs> right? And it's like, and people are like, there are so many people that are like, uh, uh-uh, this shit is not happening anymore. No, I mean, no, I remember uh-uh. when we were kids. Um, it was like uh, it was 1965, 66, 67, 68, that whole time, right? The civil rights movement, the Alabama shit, the march in yeah. Montgomery, uh, the, the, the fire, the, you know, people being sprayed by fire dogs, hoses and shit. German My parents shit. made sure that we watched this, that like you have to, your, your, your children will have to watch this because it's going to be your job to make sure this never happens again. Mm-hmm. And I was like that in the Holocaust movies, we were told we had to watch and was like, so growing up, you knew you had a responsibility as a uh, as a citizen, upstanding citizen in the society is that you look out for your fellow man and you make sure that shit doesn't happen again. It's like it's like my parents talked to all these motherfuckers and they were making sure that this shit doesn't happen again. And white people were like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Wait a second, you y'all supposed to be on our side. <laughs> and no, nope, they weren't. Nope. And now they're yeah. and there's like they were surprised when they were like all of a sudden arrested and they they uh they confessed to their crimes and all that shit. Yeah. And they're like, we'll see what hap really happens. Cause it is mm-hmm. after all, it is my Alabama. It's Alabama, right? But um, but there's a lot, there's a lot of history there too, too, because that was that dock is where they used to sell slaves, and I'm pretty sure people oh, I didn't know that killed and all that stuff there. It dude, it was. <laughs> I was watching Josh Josh. Uh, what's what's his name? Josh. I forget. It's a comedian. I was watching him, and he he had a take on it, and he was all like, "That was our that was the black people's version of January 6th. And I was like, "That's clever. That was good. I like that. That, that was good." And they're like, "We're not letting this shit happen. No, we're taking we're taking back the capital." Oh, that's the other thing that pissed me off. It's so like people. This is the thing about the internet about where. I really I think people need to start taking philosophy classes because everyone needs to go through philosophy, rather start reading books about philosophy so they can start understanding things because we've lost context. Everybody's lost context. No one, no one, everyone's just quick to jump at something without understanding the context. And I say all this because people misconstrued what Marlon Wayans had to say about all this and started jumping down Marlon Wayans' throat, calling him an Uncle Tom. When I was like, yo, I read the thing and it's he was like, try that in a small town saying like, yeah, you white people try this in a small town with some black people. You see what happens. But everyone took that as Marlon was sitting there trying to sit there and say that um, all this needs to basically like, can't we all just get along and that we shouldn't be doing this. And they were pissed off because in the video, he's showing the black people beating up on the white people. And it's like, again, people if like what they say, if you turn on a flashlight and you're looking for if you're looking for something bad, you're going to find something bad if you're going out looking for some shit. And that's like basically what's happening, you know? Yeah, <laughs> but they weren't they weren't looking for something bad. You know, it's like they were just trying to dock a boat in their yeah. 
in their designated in the riverboat. Yeah, the riverboat right? needed to stop so the boat. I was saying they were, and somebody was parked. These white dudes were parked illegally, and yeah. they did, you know, because they're racist and they weren't looking at a riverboat captain saying, "We got to park the boat here. You got to move that boat," and and therefore obeying maritime law. They were like, "I'm not going to let a black guy tell me what to do," right? Because they were living that white nationalist attitude of. It's not just America. a man, another man telling me I don't belong here. He has the authority to tell me that because he's a riverboat captain. They were like, I ain't going to let no black man tell me what to do. And that kind of that kind of hateful attitude. Um, and they got their asses kicked. It's yeah. like because they started it and they started a fight and they started to uh, physically assault a riverboat captain or co-captain. And it's like, and you know, no, what? that was people, a security guard. He was a security guard. People came to their aid. He came, yeah, he came. They, people came to <laughs> They were, and it's like, you know what? And it also speaks to the next generation, from millenniums, uh, millennials down to millenniums, uh, millennials down to Gen Z, Gen X, Gen Z. That whole thing. They're tired of it. I remember yeah. when in California uh, we had Prop Eight. Right. Prop eight was a proposition that made if you voted yes, you were making gay marriage illegal. So the way they mounted the whole campaign was to fool the voter to think, yes, meant yes, they can get married. Mm. And yes, actually meant no, they can't get married. So yeah. they did it on purpose this way to fool the average voter, because most people don't read the, you know, read the literature or study the the, the ballot measures. Yep. There's so many of them, they don't have the time or they that's not just not something they're they're driven to do. And so uh, Prop 8 won and made marriage illegal in California. So, you know, that was like that was the uh, Republicans in California, their first opportunity to own the libs in California. Mm -hmm. However, in the schools in the high schools where they had mock elections for the high school students to participate in this prop eight lost hmm. overwhelmingly like 75% of the kids voted no on prop eight, which made marriage gay marriage legal. So yeah. that said to me, that was a big, huge signal saying to me, this next generation is going to determine the future of this nation and it's, it's at least in California here, right, where they were saying, huh, -uh, they're more accepting of these the more progressive uh, of, you know, with with social issues. And you started to see that during the BLM movement that people yeah. wearing safety pins and people saying, you know, uh, you know, offering refuge to people who are being chased or threatened by white people. And they were saying, nope, we're not going to tolerate this in huge numbers. And now, you know, this is why you have the people on the right freaking out and doing stupid shit, crazy shit that's unethical, unconstitutional, because they're so desperate to regain power. Yeah. It's what they don't man. realize is like just because you give equal power or equal representation, it doesn't take anything away from you. It's not pie. No, it's not like pie. it's like it, it's like it's it's just the, the, but this is this ties back to also the philosophy uh, ideas. It's like you got to start looking at it from both sides or mm -hmm. looking at it one level down, one layer deeper. Most people are so linear. Yeah. You know, they react emotionally, whether without, before even saying what would be the consequences of me doing this, what 
would be the uh, counterplay to that. Instead, one layer deeper, they go, yeah, that's probably not a good idea. And that's also ties into to to um, what was it? Who who was it? Damon Wayne? No, who was it? Marlon Wayans. Mm-hmm. Marlon like Wayans. You were not looking at the reaction. You know, I get it. Why can't we all get along? Because we can't right yeah. now. Because there there is a movement. Why can't we all? Well, why can't we all just bury our heads heads in the sands? This is not the world you think it is. Because you're in fucking Beverly Hills, bro. <laughs> You know, Beverly Hills, you're in white America. You're in the liberal scene. You're in, you're surrounded by people who are like, yes, I agree. You have right down the street is like, um, um, you have the, the, the big Jewish center that talks about the Holocaust. And so we're aware of these things and we try to stay conscious of what's yeah. happening in society. But the rest of the world in Alabama, they don't give a fuck. Don't give right? fuck. It's like when I was in Mississippi and Alabama, man, some racist shit going on. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? But no, that's not the place to do it because yeah. that's the way that that those places are. And they still, and that's where the breeding grounds are for the white nationalists. And it's like, he's not seeing that side of it. And we got to stop that shit. You know, it's nah. like that, the, you know, those when guys wear those shirts, they say punch a Nazi. And it's like, on one sense, I don't think violence is definitely the answer, but on the no. other sense is like, sometimes you just got to go they with hit it. You, you hit them harder. And you knock yes. them the fuck back and you let them know that no, no, motherfucker, you're not. Try Jesus, away. don't try me. That's right. <laughs> it's like we're we're fighting, we're fighting back now. And yes. it's like, and you have more uh you know, black people and white people saying no, uh uh-uh. uh. Yes. It's not gonna happen. Not on gonna our happen. Watch. Not not uh we're, we're twisted sister. We're not gonna take it. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting is you know, for as long as I've been alive, mm. the liberals have rolled. Right. We've always been yeah. like, oh, well, we're going to do the right thing. It's um, we're not going to we're not going to fight back with a punch. We're going to fight back with diplomacy. Forty years later, we're like, is it finally getting to the Supreme Court? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Rather than, you know, fuck that. No, you hit us. We're going to hit you twice as hard with a fucking chair. Right. <laughs> and that means you, Karen, bitch, we don't give a fuck. You Man, can shout. You can you can, sh- you can shout the N word, but you know what? Whack! Oh, How about that? She, and they're, what they're showing is floor. now fight fire with fire. It's like uh, you, at some point you got to do that. It's like punch the bully in the nose. That's the way I was raised, and the bully starts yeah, going second guessing whether he's going to do it again. Uh, right? If those cops in the Capitol during January six were allowed to use their firearms, that shit would never have happened. Yeah. But Trump gave the order not to for them not to be able to use their firearms. So they were they were not able to to fight back and defend the Capitol. So they literally brought they brought a knife to a gunfight and they yeah. could not play. And all they had to do was like shoot one of those motherfuckers. They would have scattered. And they would have been scattered. Because they didn't but they have... did shoot one of those motherfuckers. They shot that Bobet chick. And that, they backed <laughs> they, they off. Scattered. They scattered. Right. <laughs> And that was because they were at the last barrier before they would break through and get to actual Congress <laughs> officials, right? The actual members of they Congress. got a gun. All right, guys, we're done. We're done. That's the, they got a that's, gun. 
that secret service guy whose job it is last last resort job to protect like the speaker of the house and they were like that woman's trying to break through and he just fired one warning shot hit this bitch sorry sorry <laughs> you know if you do if you're you know if you're doing the wrong thing jeez oh, man you get it wow man get it. that's nah, like you 100%. get you get it yeah, 100% <laughs> but yeah man but it, philosophy's fun, dude. Like I've been, I'm trying to work out. I'm trying to work on some more jokes now because it's like I've learned so much. That's a great now that I've line. been out of right school. Philos- hey, hey, baby, philosophy's fun. Philosophy's that's fun. gonna get you a lot of the hotties. Oh yeah, oh yeah, so so good. Hey, baby, can I can I talk a little Nietzsche with you? Yeah, God is dead. <laughs> 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 but then they start Nietzsche starts talking about this whole slave master mortality. And as a black man, Jerry, I just can't get down with that. I've already had enough slave master throughout my history. I don't need it. So what do you, uh, I've never uh, read that um, part of Nietzsche. I've, you know, to, to no, honest, so basically I, the whole slave it's that's just the slave master mentality is, um, uh, before Christian Jude, 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 yeah, before that shit got into um <laughs> back in the day, old the ancients, we were the Greeks and all them, they were more like uh kill, like they they did sacrifices for their gods. It was all about like um mask more masculinity towards um towards God and like people had more uh assertiveness and shit to where now with Christianity and Jude- Judaism, um, we are now a slave to God. And all that type of stuff where it's like you're we're more slaves to everything and it's you 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 we have to not get hit by the whip and that type of uh that type of mentality of how man has switched and then people oh, really that's, took that that's, whole- that's important though that's yeah. a part that's an important look at uh religion it's like once they say that word worship i'm out you know yeah. uh work together with collaborate with uh, join forces with, share wisdom with, but worship? Fuck that shit. It's like the only thing I know that um, that I am helpless against is love. <laughs> because I think about it. I think that goes with everybody. If a woman you're with that you you have a you're having a relationship with falls in love with somebody else, you've already lost. Done. And if you truly love that woman. unequivocally then you are happy for her finding her the love of her life yeah it's like it's going to be hard because your heart's broke ideally speaking that's how you that's how we should be but once our emotions and then we start making stories about it yeah then it's not that she's mine or he's mine and if i can't have him or her no one can but that's that's what you don't understand about love love is not possession yeah. Love is not about, about, you know, it's about it's an understanding the bigger, bigger view of life. It's like but that's love where is the a philosophy spectrum, comes in. though, dude, like love is a spectrum, though, because you got to You got to find the middle ground of love. You know what I'm saying, though, because dude, you don't want to have that love like Romeo and Juliet where you're killing yourself over that stuff. You got to oh, have no some way. type no of way. sanity into there. <laughs> like I, I, would, I wouldn't get a blister for a bitch. <laughs> 
No kidding. Of course, I don't. That's just a crass way of saying. I got, I got ton of blister. I got ton of fever blisters for a bitch. That's, yeah, it's like <laughs> got a ton of blisters from from a bitch. That's a whole different story. Um, but I, so the idea is, I wouldn't. Um, uh, you know, there's no way. Why would I do that? Because there's so many other opportunities. Like when our fur, when our hearts first getting broken, we feel so like we and we enjoy feeling that that sadness or that depression because the one of the reasons is the neuroreceptors, the neurotransmitters for pain and joy are the same ones. And if we're in pain, at least we feel alive. Right. Yeah. It's like, no, it's you got to find joy because it's so much better than fucking pain. Like some uh, people live in that shit forever. No way, man. It's like no. um, it's like love is wonderful. And once it fades, guess what? New Horizon. <laughs> there's other love out there. There's other love out there. You and find you'll it. find it. You just have to have the confidence that you'll find it. It's just a matter of if you get stuck. And, it, and if you get stuck in that place of heartbreak where you hate the other person, then you're, it's going to stifle you from moving forward. It's like yeah. my exes, both my ex-wife and my baby mama, I get along with both of them. You know, I want them both to succeed uh, yeah. and be happy. It's like, but it, they, there's nothing, I'm powerless against that. They needed something else in their lives. Mm -hmm. Go for it. You know, and guess what? You know, at least one of them is like, how are you? I miss you. Come over. You know, it's like, no. nope. it's like, like I said, my, I got my new iPhone, man, that, that my baby mama who has a really nice ass when the <sighs> iPhone had 10 megapixels, right? 10 megapixel pictures. She sent me a picture of her ass and she's got a great ass, but at 10 megapixels, she's got a really great ass. And she writes, want to come over? My iPhone, I wrote back, sure. And my iPhone auto-corrected that shit to go fuck yourself. Yourself. <laughs> That's a smartphone, my friend. I need to get that a phone a smart... like that. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody needs a phone like that. But be happy. You know, go fuck yourself. But be happy. Go find yeah. joy and be happy. I don't need to be a part of it. And because you already, you, you know, we already went down that road. You know, <laughs> I also got another gal that um, I was the first woman I ever moved across. The, I moved across. The first woman I thought I would marry. I oh, moved wow. across the country for this woman. And wow. it's like, um, and uh, I went went to New York and I was like, man, she is all that. And it's I really liked her. And I think I told you the story. And then I uh, and then she decided that while we were like she, there was this Halloween party that her ex was having. And she said, Jerry, I'm going to go to this party. I have to go to this party. And I was like, and then, and then afterwards, I'll come pick you up at work and we'll go out. And I go, I don't know. It doesn't work that way. You know, you don't go to the party and fill, try to fill that hole in your heart and see if that's going to work out there and then come to me as your right. fucking consolation prize. That's not how it works. Like, you got a hole in your heart you need to fill. Go fill that hole. But I'm mm. not going to be around when that happens. You know, mm. you make that decision. It's up to you. Well, I'm going to go to the party. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> like, I moved. I didn't just, like, I just moved. I packed my shit and moved. It's like, that's ah. one of the best things about having a minimal environment, right? Right. It's like, I was able to put all my shit into a backpack, <laughs> hold up that air mattress, and I was uh, out of that apartment, and I was in the car heading back to the East Coast, heading back to the West Coast. Said, I'm Where'd fucked, you go? dude. I got to get, get storage for my storage, man. It's horrible. Bro. No shit. No kidding. Horrible and it's like, uh, so, uh, but now what happened with that is years later, right? She's now hitting me up via text because <laughs> hey, 
you know? love <laughs> is the most important thing. And I never hated. I just said, no, you need something else. You need to go get it. I can't be around. But it's Ugh. like, what happened? It's like every one of her exes is fat. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, she went back to that reunion and it's like every one of them's like triple chin motherfuckers and like uh, don't take care of themselves. <laughs> nah. And it's like, and it was funny with her too. She was not in great shape when I first, when I saw her, she was all about going to the gym and getting tan and looking great and all that stuff. Mm. That was her whole thing. And when I saw her after years, she was like, she, I was in Vegas working and uh, doing the, doing the improv. And then she was also, she was staying, she was there at the Aria with some friends and coincidentally mm. happened to be in town at the same time. She goes, Oh, I just saw that you're in town. So she's checking, right? She's checking on like, you. Yeah. Want to have lunch? I go, oh, sure. That'd be great. So I go to the Aria at the beach club at the Aria. And I didn't know at the beach club, I had to be wearing a bathing suit. I was in jeans yeah. and a shirt. And I said, so they wouldn't let me pass a certain point. And I texted her. I said, I can't go past this point. So she's uh, she says, I'll come out and meet you. And so I'm looking towards the beach club, waiting to see her. You know, the slender thing that we, you know, when we met. Right. So yeah. and it's like all of a sudden I hear this voice right here. I go, hey, chair. And I looked down. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's a troll. She put on like 75 pounds. And I was like, and I don't look. I, I've been with big girls before. It doesn't bother me. But it was just such a stifling difference. Right. Right. So no, it's like 100 percent, um, bro. 100 percent. 150 percent. 150 percent, evidently, because that's how much the, you know, and it may sound shallow, but it's not what the perception was. We remember but we're dudes, were... man. And that's the thing. Like I was talking to one of my homies because I was telling him about my gripes with the with the these online dating thing because I'm on there. And it's like I'm either like the people that are checking or. Yeah, the people, because the ones that are checking me out are either like plus size women that I'm not really attracted to or like trans trans. And it's like I wish there was like a button I could filter where it's like, yo, and you looking at me. I'm not the dude. Don't look at me. Don't do it. But I'm the bad guy. Because I don't want that, you know, because now everybody I got to I got to I got to accept it all. I don't need to accept it all. But society says I need to accept it all. I'm like, no, man, I, I want I want something good looking. But I get it. You know, no, I, I get it. Like, it's like, good, no, it's society. Can, uh, yeah, so that's fine. People want to be trans. People want to be gay. That's that's you know, it's like people are gay. People are trans. That's fine. Let them. I want people to be find joy in happiness in who they are 100 percent. But why should I be on a dating site and not be able to filter my preferences? Thank you. I can filter for not having for for not smoking. <laughs> I can filter for Athletic, whether you're a Trump can, supporter, but right. I can't filter. I can't filter for, whether or not you're for, trans. For she, she, with your she, her gender preference. You should be able to. That's the reason why we're on this site. Let's face it. It's like you know. <laughs> They want their like, own bathroom. They need their own dating site. Yeah. I know right? that's, that's fucked up. I mean, come on, man. I'm just, the, and, and, and the thing that's, no, it sucks though, Jerry, because sometimes I'm on there. They can be I'm on like, our oh, dating shit. site. I don't She's mind. This, this hot chick's checking me out. And then I go through and I start looking through the profile and then I see trans and I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like, that's not, that's not. You never know, I'm Teddy looking. B. You never know. You might get in there and go, wait a second, you know. 
while you're, you know, it's like, look, the, from what I heard about you, if you you had sex, you might push <laughs> if through. Get, if but if you did a reach around and felt it, if you were doing it from behind, you did a reach around and felt the dick, you might think it's your own. <laughs> but it's like it also has to do with like um perception right For, there's some, we talk about philosophy and science engaging in this there's something called uh the 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 uh the mental imprint right so our memory um makes an imprint of of the person we knew or were with at the last moments uh, that we were with them. So we have mm-hmm. that imprint. And then years later, we see that person and that the the reality has changed from our imprint of the memory that we have of them. I remember that got me in trouble one time. I was in the uh, in the airport in Seattle and I have a, I have a layover. And so I go to the bagel, my this bagel shop there that I used to go to all the time. And I go there and this gal, this redhead, this redhead that I had woof, fell head over heels for this gorgeous redhead with green eyes, sophistication, intelligence. She was a really good writer, creative writer, too. I was like, man, it fell hard and fast. We both did. And I was mm-hmm. like, we realized that she needed something different than I needed. I was touring. She wanted somebody who could be there and help her be a better mom to her kids. And so um, so. I was like, uh, so, but anyway, we were in, we were in love. Right. And then she, uh, so I hadn't seen her in years. Right. So she was older and I bumped into this lady. I go, Oh my God, this looks like, that looks like, uh, Lisa's mom. <laughs> and so I go up to the lady. Cause I was like, I go back to nostalgia and memories of her reminiscing. Oh wow. It was such a great time. And I went up, I had to say hello. So I go, excuse me, this may sound weird, but do you have a daughter named Lisa? And she goes, I am Lisa, Jerry, and you're an asshole. Cause I, I guess I heard her feelings. Right. And I go, I said, Ooh, well, you know, you never let me, me have my way with you, but father time certainly has. And uh, <laughs> Cause she called me an asshole loud enough for everybody oh, to hear it. Is. I'm a comedian. I had to have <laughs> a comeback come back at it, man. So I came back and everybody laughed at that. I got applause from some people. <laughs> I got an applause break in the the airport. I got an applause break in the bagel shop. (laughs) And that was a mean thing to say, but it was a comeback. I was like, don't don't say asshole to me. I made a mistake. Yeah, come on. It's not my fault. It was a mental imprint. It's not my fault. It was science that got me in that trouble. I didn't mean to insult you. Maybe it was she was already having her inner voice was beating her up. <laughs> and then, then you go out and then you say it. And then yeah, her inner maybe. voice is like, see, see, Carol, I told you. <laughs> she's like looking at she looked in the mirror, like behind the counter. She sees herself and she's like, I don't look. She goes, oh, my God, is that Jerry? It's like, oh, my God, I, look, I don't look the same or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. So side note, I was reading this book and the book was talking about how we need to like name, like give your inner critic a name. And so I decided to give my inner critic a name and uh, I wanted to share that name with you. His name is Franklin Scott. <laughs> just, just, your... Doesn't that just sound like a dickish name? Like... Yeah, it's like Franklin Ajay <laughs> and William Scott. <laughs> Franklin, Franklin Scott. Scott. Sounds <laughs> like it sounds <laughs> like that, that inner voice that's going to now punish you. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's cool now that I put a name to them and it's 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 good, man. Like I'm glad I started like like again, I'm going back to this philosophy shit. But like philosophy is so cool. Like I don't understand why like that shit should be like a mandatory, like we should be learning about philosophy in like elementary school. Like to like to have your mind already start thinking about that type of stuff. I get it though, because a lot of times, especially as a kid, you don't want to be thinking about death. I, but I want you, you do want need you. to have your mind on that. Yeah, you you to learn because with that wisdom it reduces the fear right mm -hmm. so it's like the wisdom information is power but i want yes. you to look at uh the history of education and who controls what the curriculum is in the mm -hmm. education and you'll see that the status quo uh wall street uh is the one who designs the math uh, programs ah. and so um, ah. and what, so the big lesson there is like, they teach you, you got to get a job so that you Play can get a paycheck, yeah. but that's a, that's a working man's philosophy. And they want people to be the working man. They don't want them mm. to be the wealthy man. So, so that's it's how you like keep wall street afloat. That's, that's, that's rich man, rich dad, poor dad. They don't teach you how to, in, uh, to develop wealth. They teach you how to get a job mm -hmm. and a, a job will always keep you poor. <laughs> where wealth, learning it to invest by, you know, by property, invest by more property, invest by more property, invest. Mm -hmm. So you have wealth. It's a yep. whole different place. You don't work. You're just wealthy because you keep investing and developing wealth. Now, you can start with a job, save up, buy a property, uh, rent it out, buy another property on the equity based on that property. And then, you know, so rich man, rich dad, poor dad teaches the difference between uh, rich and poor and right. having a job will keep you poor, poor where, but that's how they teach you to be, get into societies, to get a job. Yeah. And it's all about getting they, a paycheck. And then they play with your emotions with the advertisements and then cabin, you keep up with the Joneses and all this. It's yeah, man. That's well, why it is like, I don't, I don't think about keeping up with the Joneses. Um, I never worried about that sort of shit. It's like, my my idea of having a car is like my, like my accountant says you have a car and you keep that car the, till that car dies. Yeah, you know, right. Like some of these people get a car every three years and so Yo, they're always in debt with their cars. Why? Billy Porter, like the actor Billy Porter, freaking. I'm, I'm pretty sure you heard about it where he's like on like foreclosing his house, got to do everything because he was living the lavish lifestyle because of all the popularity that he had from Pose and all these other shows. But now because of the strike, he has to downsize. And it's like, got to live within your means, man. man like, come on. It's like, where's, what is, yeah, what is like in this industry, you know, when my dad got, uh, you know, and finding a good financial advisor who is legitimately fair. It's not going to fuck uh, you over like they fuck did my Wesley. dad's first business manager ripped him off for a couple Bad. million dollars. So it's like then um, his next business manager is like he's he's always been legit. Everything's been on the up and up. Never have to worry about money uh, with him. He's the one that set my parents up. So when they got that, uh, my dad got Murphy Brown for 10 years. They were set for life because nice. he vested everything and um and and so they had retirement funds that were you know steady and would keep them till you know the day they died and beyond. That was dope. So it was like to be able to have that. I think is how do you do that? Most people don't know how to do that. It's mm -hmm. like um, you know, uh, the fortunate thing is doing what we do as comedians. It's like I'll never retire. 
I don't want to retire. I want to do this till the day I die. Just like right. Don Rickles, right? It's like, yeah. it's like a hundred years on old. the deathbed, still writing a joke. Right. <laughs> just like, what was that guy's name? Um, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he, uh, he died on stage. He was uh, doing a play or doing a performance and he, he had a heart laid, attack, right? And laid down on was... stage and died. Yeah. <laughs> and then and they, they were like, it was an act. He's, he's not getting up. <laughs> he was like, man, that's the way I want to go. Or I want to do it like, like Eddie Murphy said, I want to die. It's like, if, it was a, if there was a choice between getting hit by a bus and dying fucking, I want to be in that long line. Right. <laughs> Is that Pryor or Murphy? It's like, Pryor. Cause it's, it's Pryor. Pryor. Cause Pryor's dad died in a three. He had a heart attack in a, with a threesome. And yes. I think he came up with that joke when he went back to the funeral. Right? Dad's it's like I want to so be in the, the long book. line, man. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh man, dude. <laughs> so that's like, yeah. So there were, so while we did, we talked about philosophy there. What was the other thing yeah. we were going to talk about? Uh, the, a, co- the, a confidence the, on stage. A confidence on stage. Yeah, confidence, man. Now, confidence on stage. People don't. We, people talk about it, right? Be be confident on stage. I think John Vorhouse, uh, with the book The Comic Toolbox, yeah. he put it. He put it the be- one of the best ways. He said, "You're funny. They're not." Yeah, it he took said, me a while stage, for that to sink in. You're funny. They're not. Sit there. Land that punchline. Know where your first of all. Know where your punchlines are. Land that punchline and just stare at them. They'll come around. Yeah. Right. It's like the audience is in whatever state the performer is in. And if like you're confident, they're going to be confident that you're confident and they'll address you differently while you're on stage. Not arrogant, confident. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Playful. And that's fun. the and that's where people sometimes get it confused. Right. Because they they confuse confidence with arrogance and thinking that that's what they need to be on stage and acting all like that. Kind of like with the whole superiority where they need to think that they're superior right. to the stage when it's totally the inverse. And, and you can let them be superior and still have confidence because confidence mm-hmm. is when we're vulnerable on stage and we talk about our flaws, the audience sees that as enormous confidence. Yeah. Right. So that's the perception. They're like, oh, my God, this guy's will uh, allowing himself to talk about his failures. Wow. That's yeah. weird. You know, or his breakups or his uh, his shortcomings or his inability to please a woman. Like when I do that joke the other night, my girlfriend was like, Jerry, every single night you seem to be able to get up on stage and do comedy. But tonight you can't get it up for me. And I was like, well, I got I got to write that shit down. Right? <laughs> I swear. Being a comedian is like living in bizarro world where it's like what's up is actually down and what's down is actually up. But it is fucking cool. And once you realize that that's like a superpower, like this is the cool thing that I hit me on my way back from the club last night. It was because you had said this to me too. Like you had said, I don't know, maybe it's you, you have like this idea in your head of what you think a comedian is supposed to be like and all this shit. And then I was reading something about philosophy and they were talking about like no matter what you do like if you say you want to be a teacher you want to be a cop or you want to be whatever you're imagining what that is because you don't really have a reference because you've never actually done that so you're always just pretending you're always pretending until you actually start doing it and then once you start doing it you realize you don't have to be anything except for yourself 
That's right. Uh, exactly. It's when I first started, crazy, dude. I was emulating Jerry Seinfeld because that was kind of like that's what was what I saw as funny that day uh, when I was watching him. And I go, oh, so I started being like this and started talking like this. I was totally emulating. What is it yeah. with bugs? Um, <laughs> and it would be like eventually uh, I was at the Laugh Factory and Seinfeld was in the audience and he I got a, did a great set. Uh, yeah. But uh, he kind of mocked ah. me. And yeah, um, and that's the last time I pretended to be Seinfeld. I started to be me. And um, when Carlin said, take the shit that makes you uh, take the shit that drives you crazy, make it funny. And then I started talking about that shit. And all of a sudden that now I found my voice and my my voice was my voice. And it started to work. Now, I learned from all those people, whether it's Carlin, Pryor, Johnny Carson, Jerry Seinfeld. And that and that became part of my delivery. Sometimes I sound like William Shatner. You know, uh, people are like, oh, man, you're doing William Shatner. I am. I didn't notice that. I could never do it if I tried. But, you know, thanks. <laughs> but uh, what? You mean I killed my wife by telling them to go swimming after taking sleeping pills? Kong. Sure. <laughs> Kong! <laughs> <clears throat> Start date, twenty thirty four. So, so confidence is basically, and part of it can be body language, right? Yeah. Shifting your weight on your feet shows is a sign yeah. of you're not secure, even if you are. Like uh, Senator John Kerry, when he was running for president, he would he had back issues, and he'd always shift the weight on his feet. And so, watching him talk, he was always shifting. And perceptively, that makes it look like he's not confident, you're like you're not sure so that about. Yeah, totally played against him. Mm -hmm. So it's like find your balance, keep it, and that shows that you're in charge. Then, if you need to move, move with purpose. Move as a transitionary statement. Move for an act out. But when you're like, you know, if you're unsure, how are you going to move? Rehearse your act outs. How am I yes. going to make this? How do I make this look like I wanted to make it look for the audience to see what I'm doing? Rehearse those act outs so that you have it. Like when you watch uh, Jim Jeffries do that whole thing about gun control. And then he does the, 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 you the, keep the, your gun in the safe and he does the yes. whole thing act out with the safe. And he's like and he takes that whole stage to do that act out. He really owns that moment. It's very compelling. Yeah, uh, he's good blocking with it, too. Really good blocking with it. So no. And think about how that blocking would have to change if he's on a smaller stage. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's yeah. like, um, oh, buddy, boy, you're going to we're going to really have to. And then he's got to move rather than moving <laughs> while he's saying it. He's like, I'll show you once I get this gun out of my safe. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. What's what's it? It's the 34 to the left, 16 to the right. What's it? What's what's your, it's, it's your mother's, it's my mother's birthday. birthday. Why the fuck not. would I know your mother's birthday? In the meantime, this guy's murdering us. <laughs> Another so, thing that was cool about confidence that I learned, uh, again, from philosophy books, is um, uh, failing. Failing helps build confidence because as you fail, your mind is like, oh, that wasn't that bad. Oh, I didn't die or you didn't do this. So then it's like it, the, the fear really starts to weigh down the more you fail. Because, again, it's not really failing because there's as long as you find a lesson in it, all you're doing is just improving. And it's like we've heard this a million times, right? It's like um, uh, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. We've heard that it's a cliche, and it's so cliche that we almost ignore it. Yeah. But the brain actually learns like, oh, my God, that didn't kill me. 
And now it and it sort of rewires some synapses on a scientific level and it makes you stronger, really does make you stronger, more confident. The next time you're up, like, yeah, I didn't die. So that wasn't bad. That's why after the first time we do comedy, even when we bomb, we go, I gotta do that again. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like same thing with sex, you know. If you came early, you'd still like be like, I gotta do that again. I don't know if I it was you I was having this conversation with, but I was talking with somebody and it was talking about like how like they stopped doing the draft here in the States. And they when they stopped doing the draft here in the States, it's like the society as itself kind of started tiltering because there's 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 something about going into the military. And this is something that I even learned because both my parents were in the military and I was so gung-ho about not being part of the military. But then once I got older, I realized there is some things that are good about being in the military where it's like you learn about discipline, you learn about um, camaraderie, responsibility, but you also face death, right? And once you face death, anything because the it's, food, especially you come right? back alive. That's what you're saying, right? Nothing. Because the food yeah. at the commissary. Yes. Right? That's where <laughs> that's you face it. the death. Because <laughs> like, like my dad, he was in the Korean War, but his job, he was based in France. Uh, and his job was basically he talked himself into getting a job as a uh, a booking manager for uh, musicians, for like uh, the, the, the jazz band and uh, other bands that were within the military to provide entertainment for officers. And so... That was his job was booking talent, you know, and, it's like, and he made sure he got that job. He he angled for it. And it was like his friend, uh, John Wang, John Wing was a commander in the um, in the military. And because he had a friend, he convinced John to put him in this position in Paris rather yeah. than go into war. Right. Because nice. my dad was smart. Right. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to I'd rather have somebody pointing a saxophone at me than a gun. <laughs> and it's like, point and that so, trombone. yeah, like point that trombone. Slide. But it's like not instead of your hand. Wah, wah. Play it, saxophone. Play it. Right. So, yeah, he was like. So he did four years there, but still there's a, that learning, the discipline, mm -hmm. the hierarchy, the um, to how to work through an organization, all of this stuff. You time management, in time management in the military discipline uh, yeah. that getting up at 5 a.m. doesn't kill you. You know? <laughs> all right <laughs> man and there are there are parts of me that because my friends went in the military i didn't uh, i was like uh, four years man but it's right? still four years i could have learned some shit exactly you know could have seen the world could have traveled could have been i could have been a well-versed person but i i, you, I or you could have been dead yeah, exactly. So <laughs> your name just could have been on a tombstone. <laughs> Theodore Bess. Bess. Theodore like, Bess. Who the fuck is Theodore Bess? Theodore Bess. People know Teddy B. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly, man. So, and I, and I'm also like, I was, I grew up not believing in war per se, especially mm -hmm. during the time that I was like 63, 64, 65. I was like my first years of my life. That was Vietnam. Vietnam was a bullshit war. We didn't have any right to go in there and invade Vietnam. No but when we created a fake scheme to get in there, which was called the Gulf of Tonkin, where we uh, wrote a story that the Vietnamese uh, sank one of our submarines in the Gulf of mm -hmm. Tonkin, shit never happened. 
So it makes you wonder, but most people don't know this story. Then when they know the story, it makes you wonder about all these other things that motivated us to go into wars and where did they actually happen? You know, right. so no wonder people are skeptical, but they don't teach that in fucking no. grade school or in history. Like, oh, by the way, the Gulf and talking was a fucking lie. And uh, it's like they don't teach that. The weapons of mass destruction was a fucking lie. People, people, yeah. And uh, Colin Powell acknowledged that, <sighs> right? And he, but he wrote a book about the Gulf of Tonkin. He said we should never let this happen again. Cut to him at the at the uh, at the UN going this little weapon of mass destruction. Because <laughs> he was told either get in line or get out. Get out, yeah. So and that ruined his career forever. Like, yeah, man. It, well, unless he was Trump, he, unless he behaved like Trump, then also it didn't ruin his career. Right. <laughs> I can't but believe that, know. dude. 70, I think it's at 78 allegations or accounts or whatever it is. But it's like I was saying earlier up top, if that was like a normal person and he was trying to get a job and they looked at all 78 counts, I think the only job he would probably be able to get would be like picking up shit off the floor because nobody's going to hire him. <laughs> That's right. Nobody would hire him. Right. But here he, and but what it speaks to his confidence. Right. All right. Confidence up there. And it's like this is one thing I I tell people. I say I I'm not a fan of Trump's ideals. I don't I think he's a con artist. I'm from New York. Right. We knew Trump was a con artist way back in the day. Like when he when he was going bankrupt, he was about to lose everything because he didn't have any money and no bank would give him loans. Uh You know, I remember saying to my dad, he's probably going to get money from Russia. Yeah. Where's he going to get money? Russia? And it was just kind of a joke. <laughs> and he got a bunch of money from Russia. You know, even Donald Trump Jr. acknowledged, oh, we got a lot of money coming in from Russia. It's like back in the day. Now it's like they won't say that out loud. No, no, Russia ain't getting money from Russia. Right? And they're like, and the, and the Congress has a right to, has the nerve to go, well, you know, Hunter Biden. We have bank statements that show that they got money from Russia and China. It's like, really? The president got that money while he was president. Right. Right. But they don't look, want to look at that. They would just want to look at, uh, you know, Hunter. Well, Biden. he did this and they I did was, this. It was yeah. Hunter Biden in office. No, Jared Kushner was. He was the <laughs> he was the liaison to the, the Middle East. Right. The Middle East. And uh, by the way, after he was out of office, less than a year after he's out of office, no, no longer more working in the uh, in the White House. He got two billion dollars from the Saudis. Huh. Wow. I wonder if that was payback for two billion dollars, two billion dollars from the Saudis to uh, to Jared Kushner after he was the um, sort of the uh, uh, the guy who helped bring peace to the Middle East. Who was going to the Middle East? What does he fucking know about the Middle East? He's a real estate investor. <laughs> And the and the son-in-law of Donald Trump, and it's like, oh man, does that nobody's nobody something's wrong with your sniffer if you can't smell a rat? Rat, right, dude? Big rat, big, big. And you're gonna big, see this. You're gonna rat. see this Hunter Biden and Joe Biden criminal Joe the criminal the Biden the, crime the Biden. family. They're not gonna find shit that sticks. <laughs> does, 
the Trump, the Trump crime family is going to be like a five part miniseries on oh Netflix or some shit, dude. <laughs> the Trump it's, dynasty. They still, we're still waiting for <laughs> Fannie Willis to come out with a state charge out of Georgia. <laughs> I'm not some dude. I bet you watch. They're going to probably. I know Trump's probably working on it right now, where he's either going to have a biopic or he's going to have some type of 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 some a, a show chronicling his life. You know what I'm saying? From from a kid all the way up to him becoming president. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be on Netflix. They're gonna call it shit show. <laughs> ah, shit show. <laughs> It's like yeah. like, but you know what? It's going to be fascinating because I mean, if you hit all the angles of what you know, if we were to watch a, a, a biopic about John Gotti, it would be fascinating, right? And it'd be like it's the same type of thing. But he even took it to the he even took it to the level of being in the White House and still running the running his syndicate his syndicate, syndicate. from within the fucking Oval Office, <laughs> and he got away like, with it. Dude, I don't have I don't have uh, classified papers. I don't have classified papers. Now, you see right here in these classified papers that I have right here. I could have fucked these people up. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have any classified papers. Uh, that was like I don't have can't... classified papers. I had no classified papers. You take a look at this classified document right here. I technically I can't. Declassify it. I shouldn't even be showing this. To I shouldn't you. be showing it to you. But if we had, we could be fucking Iran up right now based on this classified document I'm showing you. I shouldn't be showing this to you, by the way. Trump's like one of those kids that's trying to be cool. So he's like, look, the pre- the principal gave me this paper. I shouldn't be showing you guys yeah. this paper that the principal gave me. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah, it's like uh, it's stoops. What's interesting to me is to watch this lawyer, this lawyer now that Laura or whatever his name is, who is like um, who gave up a three million dollar a year job as an attorney at a firm to represent Trump. Ugh. And now it's like, must be you know, paid, did you not look at what's paid. happened? All these other attorneys that were representing Trump. It's like Cindy Powell is going to be charged criminally. She's already been disbarred. It's like uh, uh, John Eastman is getting disbarred. Uh, he's going to be charged criminally. Uh, so, uh, Giuliani's, Giuliani's getting is disbarred. Going to be charged. Uh, he's been disbarred in certain states. He's going to be charged criminally. It's like all these people are going to be charged criminally. And you're saying, hey, you know what I want to do? I want to go sign up and be Trump's lawyer. I'm smart. <laughs> And he's like, and he's in there and he's trying to do this argument. One of the arguments was, so on Sunday, he was on all the talk shows. And then he said, we got to push the date out for the trial because we don't have time to review all these documents. And the judge was like, you had time to appear on all these talk shows. You gave up an entire day to appear on all these talk shows. So you, you'll find time to review those documents. So and it's like she's calling him on his shit and he's not used to that. So it's like and she's also like, well, you know, we're in the middle of a political campaign. And that was so this should not be going. And she she said, this is a criminal trial. It's like <laughs> no criminal. She said freedom of speech is intact, but it is not is not non-exclusionary. It's like freedom <laughs> of speech has limitations. For example, when you're criminally charged, 
there are rules that say you're a certain shit you can't say. You can't say stuff that intimidates witnesses. You can't say stuff that 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 affects the outcome of the uh, the trial. You can't say stuff that ob- obstructs. You can't say uh, say stuff that um, that uh, uh, that attacks the uh, puts the prosecution or this courtroom in danger. This is a courtroom. You will talk about this trial in this courtroom, not on TV. And it's like so. It's like because we're going to treat this like any criminal trial. Mm-hmm. And it's like politics is not going to be involved. No partisan. That's just the way it is, here. man. So it's like she's like putting that, she's putting them to the task. So she's. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, he should get a. He got. He's got it. If he doesn't get a fair trial, it's not going to be worth it. He's got to get a fair trial. Otherwise, it's going to be. It's going to be a sham. Like yeah. like the Clinton impeachment. Let's see. Let's go after we have there was this Good old, old Kenneth Starr. Old old real estate deal he did before he was president. We're gonna dig that up and we're gonna impeach him on this one before he was even president. He did this real estate deal. Well, who cares? We're gonna still have this investigation. And during the investigation, I bet you we find other shit. So talk about a real witch hunt, a, a, a failed real estate deal that turned into a blowjob that he lied about. And it's like, and so now they're going to get him on perjury. That's all they had. Oh, yeah. Compared to. And then all we need is if, if, if poor Monica Lewinsky had a dry cleaner, uh, there wouldn't have been any evidence. And I don't even know if that was true. Was that ever tested in a lab? I don't know. I've, I don't the know. The blue dress wasn't cleaned up. Uh, that was just a lie. It was, was the a cigar lie, lie too. You know? No, I don't think the cigar was a lie. I mean, you know, it's like George Burns said, it's not adultery if you just take the band off. <laughs> so it's like my 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 little humor door. <laughs> my, my little humor door. Just take this, make a little make a little moist. It, it smokes slower. Uh, <laughs> But that would sting, wouldn't it? If you it would, like, it if you would. stick, you stick a cigar in your eyeball. It's like that would sting, right? Because you got the you got the uh, mucous membranes right there. Oh. You know, uh. but even, no, even if it's on lips, right? Because tobacco is like you mm. put it on your lips, you can almost feel the sting of tobacco, right? So uh, the nicotine like, and everything, yeah. You're smoking that. It's like you put it in somebody's like JJ. Mixing it in with all the JJ juices and stuff. <laughs> it's like, what kind of cigars were they? Were the Montenegros? What kind of. <laughs> Monte Sofias. Like, there were some, some cu- Cuban. So, so, Sofia Vergara. That's what I was smoking. Sofia Vergara. Sofia Vergara in my vagina. <laughs> Good shit, man. Take, Good it, take shit. it back. Take it all back. Right to come. Take it all right? back. <laughs> we did it, man. We did an hour. Well, that's cool. All right. All right let's, we want uh, uh, pot luck next week, too. Yeah, let's do pot luck next, next, next week, too. Cool, cool, cool. All right, y'all. Well, uh, thanks for listening. And we are out. All right, Peace. man. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff.